There's an old saying that says, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Now, that's a harsh way of saying your actions mean a lot more than your intentions or even what you want to do. And I think a lot of times um, we give ourselves a pass or we make up an excuse for not accomplishing things that we should be accomplishing simply because we wanted or we intended for a different outcome. Uh, and I get that, you know, I get, you know, if you failed your classes and your parents are, are yelling at you saying, why did it happen? Why did this? It's not like you wanted to fail, you know, right? you wanted to do well. You had the intention maybe at the beginning of the year to do well, uh, but that's not the result, right? And that's the issue because uh, your results and your actions speak louder than your intentions. And again, I think sometimes in order to not feel the sharpness or the pain of not succeeding and not doing well, we soften the blow by saying, well, that wasn't my intention, right? We say something hurtful or harmful to somebody and we're thinking we're joking and they're horribly offended. And our response is, well, that wasn't my intention. I didn't mean to hurt you. Well, that might be true, but you still hurt them. It was still offensive. And just because you didn't mean to do it doesn't always mean it's okay. Because, again, your actions are oftentimes greater than your intentions. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Because I think we could accomplish a lot more in our personal lives, in our spiritual lives, and even as a society. If we stop making that excuse and we stop relying on intentions and we started putting action behind it. The Bible talks about this in several places, actually, but I want to focus in on a parable that Jesus speaks to the Pharisees. Because, see, the Pharisees were this religious group of uh, Jewish people that they had all the answers. They knew all the things, but they weren't living it, right? They, they knew the, the Torah, the Old Testament, the scriptures backwards and forwards. They knew all the laws. They knew all the regulations. But honestly, much of their life was lived in hypocrisy. Because their actions didn't line up with their intentions. And so Jesus, in an effort to point this out, gives them this parable in Matthew. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 21. And listen to what Jesus says. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go. A little rude, I think, but that's what he said. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. So that's good. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corporate tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Jesus is pointing out something to these group of people. See, the reason he used the example of prostitutes and tax collectors is because they often looked down on them and, and scoffed at them and honestly thought they were better than them. And Jesus is pointing out that actually... They're the ones who are being obedient. They're the ones whose actions are lining up with the will of the Father, not yours. And so at the end of all this, even with all your knowledge and all your understanding, all the years you studied, because their actions lined up, they will inherit the kingdom of God 
and not you. And again, this uh, wasn't just eye-opening, but it was almost insulting to the group. It's not a surprise why so many of those Pharisees hated Jesus because he called them out on their hypocrisy. He pointed out what was wrong with their line of thinking. And again, even though they saw it and he's explaining it, they refuse to change. They refuse to act. So I want to look at these three members of the family that he talks about, the two sons and the father, because I think there's a little catchphrase we can learn from each one of them. Something There's something that's going to help us better understand what I'm trying to communicate. If you're taking notes, I want to look at the first son. And when I, when I look at the first and the, the catchphrase that comes to my mind is it's not how you start, it's how you finish. I've often used this illustration in the past, but uh, I really miss air travel. I miss being able to fly places like my wife and I. We love traveling, and so that's kind of been a bummer in this season. But uh, think about you know the last time you flew, if you've ever had a chance to fly. Um, for those of you who do, you'll get it. There's a lot of stuff that can get frustrating about flying. You know, there's times where you're sitting on the runway for a long time and you're not sure when the plane's going to take off and it doesn't take off on time. And then when it finally does take off, it might not be a smooth flight. There might be turbulence. There might be bumps. Uh, you know, the flight attendants might not serve you the exact thing you want. The food may not be great. I mean, there's all these issues that can come along with air travel. But I'll tell you what, when the plane lands safely, it's a good flight. Right? I can complain about all the other stuff, but if the plane lands, at least I'm alive to complain about it. Whereas if the t- plane took off on time and the flight was smooth and the food was phenomenal and the flight attendants were great and the pilot was awesome, but we crash, how many know? <laughs> the rest of that didn't matter. You know, I think a lot of times we feel like because we didn't start off on the right foot. Maybe you didn't grow up in church and uh, maybe you're new to this or maybe you've, you've been in a while and you just haven't been doing things the right way. There comes points where we feel like, man, it's too late for me. You know, it's just one of those things where I had my chance and, and I've, I've made too many mistakes. I've had too many bad uh, things happen already and it's too late. And I love that this first example, the son, he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Matter of fact, like I said, I think he was being rude to his dad. This was an obligation that a son should have carried out. And he just flat out says no. But I think as he thought about it, he realized, you know what? I I probably should do this. And he went out and he did what his father has asked him. And I guarantee you, at the end of the day, maybe not in that moment when he said no, but at the end of the day, his father was pleased with him because ultimately he did what was asked of him. Again, you and I, we all make mistakes. We all do things that we shouldn't do. And we've all Uh, even ignored God when he's flat out telling us to do something or asking us not to do something. But I love that God gives us grace. And as long as we ultimately go to him, ultimately do what he asks us to do, ultimately repent and make ourselves right with him, you're good. Think about it like this. And and I've always kind of looked at this interestingly. Think of the crucifixion, right? Uh, We, if you've grown up in church, you know that Jesus wasn't crucified by himself. There were Two men, one on either side of him, criminals that were being crucified alongside him. And I want you to notice in the scripture, verse uh, 40, chapter 23 of Luke, verse 40 through 43. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God or even uh, or even when you have, I'm sorry, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is like the first salvation, right? This is the first moment that someone commits their life to Christ, acknowledges that they sinned, realizes and repents, and acknowledges Jesus as Lord and asks for forgiveness and asks to be remembered. And Jesus does it. And you got to understand, this isn't just like a petty criminal. This isn't a guy who maybe, you know, stole some candy from the store. To be crucified, this was a career, lifelong criminal. Someone who, to his own admission, deserved to die. And yet, even in his final minutes, in his final hours, Jesus was willing to forgive him because he was willing to repent and do what was right. I need you to know, if there's breath in your lungs, it's never too late to get right with God. It's never too late to follow the Lord and to do what he asks you to do. You just have to be willing to step up and do it. You can't just sit there and go, well, God, I meant to follow you. Or God, I wanted to be your disciple. Because as we see with the next son, that's just not good enough, right? If you're taking notes, uh, the second son, the, the thought that came to my mind is talk is cheating. Yeah, yeah, you, you said all the right things, but you're not doing the right things. And a lot of times, especially those of us who grew up in church, we know the right thing to say. We know what we're supposed to say, when we're supposed to say it. We know when to say amen, even if you're totally not paying attention and dozing off. We know when to lift our hands, when to, you know, cry out. I mean, we, we got the rhythm down. But your words are not going to be enough if they don't line up with your actions. And so here, the, the second son, he does it all the right way. He even says, sir, right? It's, there's this honor in his voice. You know, he says, you go and, and help me. He goes, yes, sir. Absolutely. But then he doesn't do it. Again, if I was the dad, that boy's catching a whooping, right? Not just because he didn't do it, but because he told me he would and then he didn't do it. This is the frustration I think that sometimes God feels with you and I. In that we have these intentions and we even vocalize our intentions and say, yeah, yeah, you know, I want to honor God with my life and I want to stay pure before marriage and uh, I want to read my Bible. I want to get closer to God. I want to pray. I want to be consistent. I want to do this. I want to do that then we don't actually do it. We don't put in the effort that it takes to actually accomplish the things that we say or we intend to do. And I think that's even more frustrating for God because it'd be easy if you just were ignorant. It would be easy if you just didn't know any better. But the fact that you do know better, that you vocalize better, and you still refuse to do it, I think that's something that frustrates the Lord. Listen, Matthew chapter 7 Verse 21 through 23 says it clear as day. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. It's a harsh thing. And, and think about it. They cast out demons. They prophesied. They did not just one miracle, but many miracles. In our eyes, these are people who seemingly are acting all the right way. But God knows their heart. And he knows, yeah, there was action, but there was no faith. Right? So there's a balance between the two. It's not just believing and it's not just doing. It's believing and doing. 
And so here you have the second son who, who says the right thing, right? He believes, but he doesn't do. And the first one, it seemingly in the beginning, doesn't believe, but he does do. There has to be a balance of the two, of faith and action. And a lot of times, just like the second son, we can say all the right things and we can have all the right intentions. And we can assume that that justifies us, but it really doesn't. Just because you meant to do well, just because you didn't mean to do wrong, doesn't mean that it's okay. Ignorance isn't a deterrent for the law. You know, it's not like, well, I didn't know that there was, you know, a light there that caught me speeding. Well, just because you didn't know doesn't mean you weren't speeding. doesn't mean you're not going to get a ticket. And so a lot of times we often think, well, God, I didn't mean to do that. And I didn't want to do that. And God's like, but you still did it. And again, there's always forgiveness. Don't get me wrong. There's always second chance. We saw that with the first son. But listen, ultimately, he didn't do. The second son didn't do what his father asked. And again, I think that breeds frustration and even frustration for you because there's this idea that, well, because I meant to, then I should still be able to get that reward and I should still be able to find success because, you know, you know my heart and I had good intentions, right? And we hear that all the time for you. Well, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. Well, the Bible says that the heart is wicked beyond measure. Who can understand it? Yes, God knows your heart and he says it's horrible. So it's not just the intentions of the heart. It's the actions that are played out. It's not enough to hear a message and be like, yeah, that's good. That's good. Absolutely. But then not apply it to your life. Think about it. You know, like today, the, the Bears are going to be playing on Monday Night Football. And if the coach, you know, grabs the team and talks to the quarterback and gives them the play and everyone's like, okay, we know the play. You know the play? Yeah, I know the play. Do you know the play? All right. All right. Everybody got the play? Awesome. And then go and sit on the bench and don't actually go into the game and run the play. What's the point of the play then, right? When God calls a play, when God tells you to do something, it's not for you just to know it. It's for you to do it. It's for you to be able to put it into action. And again, it's it's not just action and it's not just faith. It's the combination of the two. And so when I look at the father, that's kind of where I see that balance. Uh, the little phrase I was thinking about with the father, if you're taking notes, this is number three. Is to trust and obey. That's a an old hymn that you hear in the church back in the day. You know, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Man, this is huge for you and I to be able to do. Because again, I think a lot of us trust but fail to obey. We believe in God, right? We trust God. We even love God, right? We'll, we'll say all those things. But is it enough to actually obey God? Is it enough to follow what he asked you to do, how he asked you to live? Uh, if you're uh, thinking about this, there's a reason I think that Jesus used the example of a father and his two sons. Uh, to the listener, he understood that uh, these sons had an obligation to help their father in the vineyard, right? They, they had an obligation as his children. This wasn't a guy told two of his workers or a guy told two of his neighbors this is a guy, a father, told his two sons. As his sons, they had an obligation to serve the father, even because ultimately this is going to be part of their inheritance. This is their livelihood. This comes all together for them. And so even more, they, they want to make sure this is a good vineyard because one day this vineyard might be mine and I want to make sure that it's thriving and that it's doing well. In the same way, 
God the Father has every right to ask you to live a certain way and to do certain things. To serve him in a way that honors your relationship with him. When, when we profess to have faith in God and we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have to remember the Lord part. Because we love Savior, right? Save me from my sins. Save me from hell. Save me from myself. Yes, sign me up for that. But you also sign up for Lord. Meaning you have authority and control over my life. Whatever you ask, Lord, I will do. Whatever you want from me, Lord, I will do. We have to remember that he's not just Savior, but he's also your Lord. And I, and I love it again because in the story, he doesn't say a Lord told his servants. He's more than a Lord. He's your father. There's a connection. There's a relationship. There's a feeling of community and love and family in this relationship with God. And here's the crazy part. That father, even though he had every right to ask or demand his sons to work, he still asked. Meaning they had free will. They had the opportunity to say yes or no. I don't know about y'all, dad, but when my dad asked me to do something, especially as a kid, it wasn't really a request. It was a demand. Like, you're going with me. You're going to do this. It was you do that or there were some serious consequences coming from Pop's hand. And yet this father, he gave this children a right to say no. And the crazy part is God does the same thing for you and I. God asks, God even commands us to do things. And yet he is still in his infinite wisdom giving us free will. We can decide to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit or to ignore it. We can decide to do what God asks us to do or to refuse. Now, that doesn't mean there's not consequences to those decisions, but you still get to make that decision. Listen to what James says. James chapter 2, verse 17 through 22. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that your ancestor Abraham was shown the right uh, was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Your faith is complete as a result of your action, as a result of what you do, not what you intend to do. So here's my question as I start to just wrap this up. What actions have you been delaying because you've just left them at simply intentions? What have you desired to do, but you haven't actually done it? Maybe for some of you, it's reading the Bible. A lot of times when I ask you, it's like, hey, have you read the Bible? Do you want to read the Bible? Are you reading your Bible? You'll usually hear, yeah, like, I want to read it, but I don't. Well, it doesn't just come through osmosis. You can't just lay it on your chest and hope that it seeps into your heart. You actually have to do the work of reading it. 
Maybe you want to do better in school and you have every intention to get good grades this semester and to raise up your GPA. But again, intention's not enough. You got to be willing to maybe study a little bit more and watch a little less TikTok and focus a little bit more and get your assignments in on time and ask for tutoring to be willing to do the things that are going to actually get you better grades. Maybe you want to be closer to God, but are you willing to take the actions necessary to do that? to separate time for you to pray and worship and seek God in your own time, to take time to ask those questions on things you don't understand or things that you're struggling with, to be able to grow spiritually and in your understanding. Like it takes effort on your part. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. But the onus is on you. Like you have to take that first step and God is willing to meet you. But if you want to draw closer to God, you have to draw closer to him first. Maybe you want to be a better friend, but are you willing to reach out? Are you willing to send that first text or make that call and check in on them instead of saying, well, they never call me. Who cares? If you want to be a better friend, be a better friend. Don't just sit there and well, nobody talks to me and nobody calls me. Well, be that for other people. And I bet you if you start to be that for others, you'll see others be that for you. Again, it's not just intentions. It's not just desires. The point is wanting to do something isn't enough. You have to actually be willing to do it. And the crazy thing is when God asks you to do something, the reward that comes back for you is utterly incredible. I close with this story. When I was a kid, my dad one time pulled up in the alley when I was in the backyard with a buddy of mine playing And he said, hey, there's a dresser in the alley down the street that I want you to pick up and bring over here. Now I'm like, dude, I don't want to go pick it through the garbage. I don't want to pick up somebody else's trash and carry it over. That's embarrassing. Uh, And again, my dad, he only asked me twice before I realized, okay, I better do it. And so the second time he asked, I go to my friend, come on, let's go pick up that dresser. And so we go about a block down. And uh, funny thing is when we grabbed the dresser, the owner of the house was throwing out the trash and it happened to be a friend of mine from school so here i am picking his garbage and he's like what are you doing with my old dresser and i was like my dad told me to get it and i was embarrassed and i felt dumb but okay man i gotta do what my father says so we carry this super heavy dresser to my backyard and my dad's there and he hands me some uh paint thinner some uh, scrapers some brushes like all these supplies and tools and he says get to work uh, taking all the paint off. So I scraped all the paint off. I'm like basically getting high on these fumes because, you know, it's like horribly, horribly uh, smell. And so we get all this stuff out where I get all this stuff. I'm doing this by myself. My friend is like, I did enough by helping you over here. And then after that, he hands me some sandpaper. He goes, now sand everything down. And so I sand everything down, every nook and cranny, every curve. And then after it was all sanded down, he handed me some stainer. He goes, now stain it. And so I had to stain it with this stained paint. And so I'm getting all the fresh wood color back and then adding multiple layers. And then I'm adding a finisher. And all in all, this took maybe the entirety of a day, something like eight to 10 hours, you know, again, for a kid working on it. And then when I finish, my dad comes over and he goes, so do you want to put that in my room or in your room? And I was like, are you kidding me? This is mine. And my father, I understood in that moment, always had every intention to give it to me. See, when God asks you to do things, yes, it's for his honor. Yes, it's for his glory. And yes, it's because of his will. But don't forget that a part of his will is to bless you, is to give you the life he wants for you. 
is to get you to the place he wants to get you. And so oftentimes, our failure to act doesn't just fail God, it fails us. So I want to encourage you. Stop wishing, stop hoping to do something, and actually do it. Make the effort, make the intention. You might mess up, you might not get the outcome that you want, but doing something, right? Doing something for 10 minutes is more effective than thinking about doing something for 10 hours. So I want to encourage you, do it. Get out of your seat, get out of your comfort zone, make something happen, just try and see if God doesn't help you with it. Let me pray for you as we close. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God. I thank you for my friends, Lord. I thank you for the time they took to hear this word and to hear from your voice. And God, I just pray. Father, I pray that we would clearly hear your instructions, that whatever it is that you ask us to do, that there would be no confusion that it's you who's asking us. But God, I pray that in that same light, help us not just to listen, but to do. Not just to be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Father, to put into action whatever instructions you give to us, Lord. To not just be satisfied with wanting to do what's good or intending to do what's good, but actually making the steps to do it. And Lord, give us the strength to do it well. To help us accomplish everything you've asked us to do. Lord, I pray that we would have no more excuses, but instead we would have results. Because we follow through, we listen to your voice, and we trusted you to do what you called us to do, and for us to do what you asked us to do. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I'll see you soon. God bless.